welcome, welcome, welcome to the Play Them All video game podcast. I am Michael Kennedy Gauthier, also known on the internet as Geeky MKG. Welcome! This is the first episode of the show. Uh, today we're going to be looking at my top 10 favorite games. Now, for the first episode, I just wanted to share uh, some love for the games that I enjoy, right? Uh, but before we get into that, um, go go follow me on social medias. Listen to me, I'm asking you. Geeky MKG everywhere. I'm on TikTok, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. But don't go there, that's weird. Don't want to follow me on Facebook. Okay? Okay. Alright. Let's get into the thick of it. My top 10 favorite games. Here's the thing with that. Um, no couple uh, main things before that. Um, I'm gonna include one per series. Uh, if not, it would mostly be a Naughty Dog fucking list because I do enjoy those games. But you'll see down the road. Um, there's also that is not obviously a permanent list. Lists change every goddamn time. Every goddamn week the list will change. So, but for right now in this moment, recording. This is what my list look like. looks like. Ah, I'm going to have those moments sometimes. Spoilers will be included. They're going to be there. Have to be. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to go out of my way to spoil the games I'm talking about. But they will be, if I feel it's necessary to show how much I love them, they will be included here. So let's get on to it. Number 10, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. That is right. We're looking at the open world action series by Ubisoft. And just one of the first PS4 games I bought, Assassin's Creed 4. Like, who doesn't want to be a pirate? And that's the fantasy the game was going for. Um, it was just, I don't know, when, I, when that game was announced, first of all, I was really freaking excited, and it just lined up perfectly with me getting my PS4. And I was a fan of Ace Assassin's Creed 3, and the other ones before, but especially the third one, which I've learned throughout the, while playing it again that it's not that good, but <laughs> Assassin's Creed 4 is really amazing. Like I said, who doesn't want to be a pirate, right? And what I, the first thing I really noticed when I played Assassin's Creed 4... Uh, was the how much they polished the boat systems from Assassin's Creed 3. In the in AC3, you would just have like side missions that were in boat. You wouldn't have the boat everywhere. But the difference here is that is you can just take the boat whenever and go around the world. The fucking gigantic world that they have for you. And I'm I'm a sucker for checklist open worlds. Like the Ubisoft style of just Here's the world, here's the main pad, and here's everything else you can do. Side missions, activities, collectibles, all that stuff. I'm a sucker for it. I really, really enjoy that. Uh, one of the aspects that I didn't like as much, but I felt was serviceable, uh, was the story. It was, it was good. It was okay. I was just like, eh, I didn't care much about it. I didn't want to... Like, a, I don't 
even remember most of the story. It's just it's there. I was just here to go around and fucking plunder, like a good like a good parrot I am. Um, the other thing is also uh, since uh, what happened in Assassin's Creed Three with Desmond, uh, the real world stuff is kind of meh. Doesn't really uh, doesn't really hold up. Doesn't don't care for it. But outside of those little story thing, which usually story is my main thing, but um, in this one, the systems, the open world, everything was working well for me at that moment. Um, I still didn't finish it. I'm probably going to go back at some point. Who knows? But uh, I know of what I played of it. I have fond, fond memories. And for me, this was the peak of Assassin's Creed before it turned to, um, even now it's still the peak of, as far as open world and it's still the peak of the Assassin's Creed series, though I enjoyed the turn it took since Origin. So number 10, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Continuing with open worlds, at number 9 we have Batman Arkham City. Again, an open-world action game by the great folks at Rocksteady that are now working on Suicide Squad. Um, I came late to this one. Uh, I think the game was released like two years before I actually played it. And um, it's really the game that showed me what superhero games could be. How fucking great they could be. And they, they really proved that. And the first thing they did perfectly was... You felt, when you play that game, you felt like Batman. The way you move, what you could do in the game, the stories, the environment, everything felt like Batman. Felt like that universe that we love from the comics. And the thing, the thing that really got that game, <clears throat> I guess to the high praise it has now, is that fighting system. That fighting system is still one of my favorite ever made. It's such an amazing, beautiful system. Like the fact that the parrying, the hitting, it feels right. It feels like you're a superhero. And then you add on to that the amazing, amazing story. The story is engaging as hell. It's amazing. The characters that you have in there. Joker, Ra's al Ghul, all those guys. It's... It's perfect. Honestly, it's uh, of the four Batman Arkham games, this is the one I enjoy the most. Uh, as far as like <clears throat> the story, the main story it's telling. And especially Mark Amell as the Joker. He's doing a perfect, perfect job. He's up there. For me as a Joker, he's up there with what jo Joachim Phoenix did and what obviously E. Ledger did. He's just that good about it. And then you go more into the side missions. Side missions. They're exciting. You want to do them. When we talked earlier about Assassin's Creed 4, sometimes the side mission, you're not, uh, you're not that into it, right? You're not that excited about it. But this here, they're all great. They all have beautiful story. And I especially want to, talk, want to shout out the Mad Hatter story. Uh, caught me by surprise and it was uh, really, really good. Yeah. Lastly, I I felt like this like the open world was the perfect size for Batman. Wasn't too big, 
like it was in Arkham Knight wasn't too small, like I felt it was in Arkham City, in Arkham um, Asylum. And it just felt perfect, perfect, perfect. I wish the sequel would have done better. Arkham Knight was um, not a disappointment, but it was kind of okay. It's a sequel. It's, it's there. And they added the Batmobile that was... I don't know how you can make the Batmobile suck so much, but they sure did. <laughs> but this is still my favorite Batman game. But it's not my favorite superhero game. Because that's his number eight. Marvel Spider-Man. Again, an open world action game by Insomniac. Insomniac, the amazing studio behind Spyro, Ratchet and Clank, Resistance. Like just classic PlayStation game. And man, when they announced they were going to do a Spider-Man game, a first party Spider-Man game, whew, I was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And unfortunately at that time I was a bit uh, stuck with uh, concussions. So I didn't play right away when it released. But when it did release and I was able to play. Oh man. The main thing that really make this my favorite superhero game. Is the traversal. Man. Swinging around a Spider-Man. Is one of the best feeling I've ever felt in video games. It's amazing to just move around. You feel perfectly like like Spider-Man. You feel like you're him, right? And on top of that, on top of that amazing traversal, you got a beautiful, perfect, yeah, I'm saying it, perfect Peter Parker story. It's drama, it's comedy, it's everywhere. And the supporting characters are all there and all amazing. And the way they develop the side characters man people like may miles morales mj like you feel in that universe you feel like you're in there and i really really enjoy that and to couple with the traversal and the story the combat is heavily influenced by batman heavily it's like batman is the batman combat system but it's spider-man and it works Perfectly, it just works. It really does, and I'm really like I'm happy about that. Um, my only thing about this game that I'm, I guess, not sh didn't care much for was those Mary Jane section where you have to stealth around. And like, <clears throat> I don't play those games to be a normal person. I want to be a superhero. I want to be Spider Man. I want to be Batman. Right. So. Putting Mary Jane in there was, ugh, I could have done without. But still, this is the best superhero game I've ever played. And it's gonna be for a long time, or until, you know, Marvel Wolverine, which I'm fucking excited about. Just a swig of water, give me a second. Now, let's move away from superheroes. At number seven, we have Elder Scroll Four: Oblivion. No, not Skyrim. I actually haven't played that much of Skyrim yet, but uh, well, I'm sure I'll get there at some point. 
maybe. Uh, this is a role-playing games by the legendary Bethesda Game Studios. People, Tom Howard and stuff like that. And there's an interesting story behind how I got to this game. I was way younger, maybe 12, 13. And I went to a staple in a Jensen city, to the village I was in. And an employee at Staple was like, you should get this game. And I'm like, I'm 12 years old, you know. I'm. You can influence me. You tell me this game. You could have pointed a Barbie game and I'll be like, damn right. But fortunately, this man was on point. He was on point. And he... Probably one of the games that affected me the most as far as like... What video game could be? How big could they be? How free could they be? This is really my entry into the Western RPG. Then afterwards I've discovered Fallout and stuff like that. But there's a special place in my heart for Elder Scrolls 4. So when I came home, I played the game. Started playing the game. Had fun, you know? And then I came out. If you've played the game before, you know there's a section where you come out of the sewers. And then the open world actually begins. And that was fucking life-changing for young me. That was crazy. It was like, how? I can go ev- anywhere? Anywhere I want, I can go? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. And then, this game also made me discover mods. Man. Mods. What an amazing fucking thing. Mods, man. Like, I had, like, Sephiroth swords in there. I had clouds coming up to me and talking. It was, like, you could modify so much on that game. And, like I said, it really changed a lot for me. And then, being an open world, being with mod, the stories you could get in that game. The stories you could get. I've never really got into the main story, that's kind of my thing with Fallout, like games like that. I just don't get into the story they want. I, I just want to explore the world, right? I just want to explore the world and see what I can do. See the stories that are there. See the factions that I can join. F- amazing factions like the Dark Brotherhood, which is still one of my favorite factions in video games. The story they tell in there. Uh, there's especially a mission where you go into a house and you have to kill everyone, but it's like, it's kind of like a game show house. It's you're in there and you're supposed to like survive in there and then everybody gets killed and you survive and everything's good and like it's almost like a murder and mystery type of deal. It's really really fun. Um, combat system was okay, but obviously this is not what I was playing for before the game for right. This I was playing the game for the uh, the world and the exploration and everything I could do there. So definitely, nostalgia is playing a huge factor here. But still, I'm happy with my number 7, Elder Scroll Four: Oblivion. But hey, talking about nostalgia playing a huge factor, we go to number 6, Crash Bandicoot 3, Warped. This is a platformer by the amazing guys at Naughty Dogs. For the PS1. Man, that game. That game is the first game I've ever finished. I I finished that game a ridiculous amount of time. There's something about it that always works for me. 
and really develop a love of platformer for me. Like I love playing platformer now, and it's because of this game. And I think how I really got in, like I have such nostalgia for it is probably is because Crash Bandicoot 2, not 3, 2 is the first game I've ever saw. I think that's what I remember. My dad was playing it and I would just looking at it all excited and all crazy. And it's really, this series is part of why I'm such a fan of video game now. Water break, sorry. The reason I choose 3 over 2 is for me the normal platform level that you have in the game are top level. They're the best in the original trilogy. They're really the best that you can find there. And um, yeah, the thing is that game, that thing that sometimes, like if the game was just platform, it would have been top fucking, top 3 for sure for me. But the stupid motorcycle and plane level you just fuck off i don't like it same thing with the time trials i there's something in games that i don't like is time fucking trials don't put it there but polar bears the polar bear levels are amazing uh, i mean tiger level i'm sorry polar bears in crash Bandicoot too but the uh the tiger level and the jet ski level are amazing are fun I enjoy them. Jet ski are more okay, but the tiger level, fucking love. And when they decided to remake the original trilogy a couple years ago, man, was I excited. And man, did I finish that fucking game so, again, so much. I've played it and played it and played it and played it. And I, it's my comfort food. It's my poutine. When I, I need a, I like a palate cleanser, I just need to have a bit of fun. I'll go back to that game and I'll finish it as fast as I can. Having fun. But hey, that's nostalgia, right? And I think that game is going to follow me all my life. And that's why it is number six in my top 10 favorite game. Now, <clears throat> pardon. Uh, let's get to top five. And at number five... We have a puzzle platformer by Playdead, an indie game called Inside. I was a huge fan of the game that came before. The game was Limbo, amazing, amazing game. Uh, and then Inside released in 2017. Uh, it took me a couple of years to get to, but when I got to it, God, fell in love. Just ate it, just finished it so fast and enjoyed every second of it. This game is the defin definition of polish. This is what a polished game looks like. And <clears throat> the aura sci-fi vibe in that game is amazing. It's, it's something I really love. And especially the main, I guess... I wouldn't say antagonist or villain. I would say the main reason for this post-apocalyptic world is called the Hurdle, which is just a, a disgusting mass of bodies, of like lifeless bodies. It's, ugh, that shit is nasty. It's nasty. I'm not sure if they're dead, actually. I think they're a bit alive. Who knows? It's kind of a sentient thing. 
Um, and then you add the platformer, the beautiful, magnificent platformer um, that you had in Limbo, but then you have a bit more of a of a of a polish, as I said earlier. It's it's just beautiful. It takes about three hours to finish, and man, it's the perfect time. It's the perfect time. It feels right. It feels like the right amount of time. Honestly, it's my favorite indie game, and I it'll take a while before something else uh, takes over. It really is going to take a while. But hey, my favorite indie game inside is number five on this top ten list. Sticking with a bit of war, but uh, moving really away from an indie game. At number four, we have Resident Evil 4. That's right. The best goddamn horror game. Best survival horror game ever. You may like Dead Space. You may like Silent Hill. But no, it's Resident Evil 4. Stop lying to yourself. First... And I guess the reason I say that is the first Resident Evil I've ever played was this one. I remember playing it on the GameCube with my cousin and just loving it. Just loving the universe, loving the shooting system, which didn't age that well, but loving it. The Switch, man, the way they switched to more action-y but still keeping a bit of spookiness in there, it really worked for me. It really, really did. Um... I am not a fan of tanks control of thing like I hate them. I hate them. And uh, you'll see in two weeks about I have something coming out that will uh, definitely uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say that. It will definitely um, confirm how much I fucking hate tank controls. It's a whole new series that I'm gonna do. But uh, you, you'll see. You'll see in two weeks. It'll be fun. Um, back to Resident Evil Four. The environment. The, especially the village part of it. Wow, fuck. So good. So good. And you mix that with a story that is pure Resident Evil cheese. Like pure fucking Resident Evil cheese. And it, it works super well. Uh, it was the only time, I think, that I've, I was okay with an escort mission. Because, you know, the story of the game is you have to save the... President's daughter, uh, Ashley, and um, the second you find her, now you gotta escort her, and <laughs> every fucking time she gets caught, she just screams, Leon! Leon! And the most annoying yet, I have good memories of it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird, I have a weird relationship with that game, but still, uh, I think... Just because of that game, Leon became my became my favorite Resident Evil character. Not because of the way he is or anything. He's just he's there. He's my favorite game. Therefore, he's my favorite character. Um, hopefully, we'll see him um, at some point in the new games. Uh, and except if something happened in Resident Evil Six, which I didn't play. Hopefully, he's not dead. I don't even know. Anyway. <laughs> I am really excited about that remake coming up in March. R fucking Resident Evil 4 remake in the style of Resident Evil 2 and 3. I need that. I'm going to get a PS5 just because of that. I want it. I want it so fucking bad. <sighs> so I have my number 4. 
Resident Evil 4. Number three. I like spooky shit. We've the last two entries, we know. I, I like a bit of spooky shit. But let's go to the uh, the master of spookiness to me. The, um, the spooky master. Bloodborne. That's right. Action RPG. Developed by the amazing From Software. It's set in a cosmic horror meet gothic Victorian setting. First of all, great goddamn setting. And there's something, if you know me, there's something really that just gets me every time is that fucking Soulsborne loop. Man, I'm addicted to it. When Elden Ring came up this year, loved it. Then I played Bloodborne again, finished it, got the platinum. Whew. Man, what a game. Trick weapons. What a concept. What a concept in combat to have a trick weapon that you can just switch around. Beautiful. Beautiful. Really fits with it. And then the monsters. The, the mix of like classical folklore or like werewolves, vampires, and shit like that. Mixed with the cosmic horror. It makes for just the monster designer. Crazy. Crazy. And I, I enjoyed every second of it. Um, and then you discover the world and the story through like cryptic messages, uh, cryptic conversations with NPCs, items description. Like it's such an interesting way for me to discover the world, discover the world I'm in. And then what I really enjoyed is whenever I finish the game, I go on YouTube and just watch videos of it. I've done that with most uh, Soulsborne game I've played, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Did it with Dark Souls 1. Uh, did it a bit of it with Elden Ring, but it wasn't as available when uh, I got it, when I finished it, and then did it a lot with Bloodborne. Um, I want to spotlight a certain section of the DLC that's kind of in an asylum type of deal, and it's legitimately terrified me. And it was high level when I was there. You know, I was good. I, I could take uh, whatever the game would send at me. But fucking hell was it hard. Was it terrifying? The screams that the sound design was just beautiful. Beautiful. And I have an important question. I'm going to throw that in the world, in the universe. Where the fuck is the second one? Where is it? Where? Where's the second one? There's no Bloodborne 2 yet. I need it. I want it. Give it to me now. Fuck Elden Ring. Give me Bloodborne. Anyway, number three. Bloodborne. And now, a game that could be number one, but just one game that I like a tiny bit more. But at number two, we have Final Fantasy VII Remake. Whew. Ooh, that took me by surprise. It's a complete remake of the first section in Final Fantasy VII. A section that just takes five hours in the original game is going to take you 40 now. And man, was it surprising to me. It was surprising how a small portion of the original game could become such a beautiful story and environment in this one. Midgard, the place where the story takes place, is such an interesting place to explore. 
it's so like interesting to me to see all the levels to Midgar, the side section, the fucking monsters that are in there, and everybody's okay with it. Um, the place really feels like a repressive environment, which fits really well with the story, right? So you have the lower layer of Midgard, which is like the poor people, and then you have the top, which is like the citizen and the people working for the big company. Um, but something that really worked too with that game is that combat system. God damn, was that good. Like, the best action RPG combat system ever. Ever. It's amazing. Like, the way you switch between characters, the way you use attack and abilities, it, it just works perfectly. And then you add on top of that the summons that you can just play as a normal character, like, summons that are amazing. Obviously, we're missing a couple of them, but we'll probably get them in uh, whatever the part two's coming out. Um, and man, it just feels good. Like, that fat chocobo was amazing. Amazing. And... The story is very good, but also very fucking confusing, uh, which I think adds to its charm, right? It wouldn't be as good if it was not as confusing. Uh, I think that what they're trying to do is kind of almost a parallel universe type of story. Because uh, things don't really align with the first one, but they do align with other game. Uh, they do align with other like side games, so... I guess we'll see where that goes. Um, the fact that it made such an enticing game from such a small portion really makes me hopeful for the second game that's coming out next year in the winter, uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. That one, I'm extremely excited. I'm excited to see the open world uh, of Final Fantasy VII. And now, to conclude, to finish... At number one, we have The Last of Us, part two. I lied earlier. That's my favorite survival horror game. This beautiful third-person action adventure by Naughty Dog. Man, this game, I think about this game regularly. Regularly, like the story, I think about it. I, I And I... It was the same with the first one. I adore the first one. It would probably be number two or three here um, if I didn't have that rule of one per series. And this part two is the perfect sequel. It's the perfect sequel. The story picks up a couple of years after the end, the really intense ending of the first game. And the consequences of what happened in, the, in that ending where Joel just... Saves Ellie in a really fucked up way. And the game is all about vengeance and its effects on people. And it creates really traumatizing moments. Especially, again, spoilers, where the main character, Joel, from the first game, dies. Gets brutally murdered. Brutally murdered. And, man, I fucking cried. It was hard. It was heartbreaking to see that happen on the screen, but it did, and I wouldn't have it any other way, because the story that unfolded after that, after that really important moment in the story, it's my favorite story game of all time. And then at the, in the middle of the game, 
you switch. You're playing Ellie for most of the time. Ellie, which is the uh, the girl that Joel saved at the first game. You play her for most of the game, and then you switch in the middle of the game to the person that killed Joel, and then you see her side of the story. And I'd be, oh, man. Oh. Then obviously the both characters come to collision. The ending fucking broke me. And man, the, everything in this story is to, for that cycle of vengeance and everything. It's, it's, it's all there to enhance the story that's been told by Neil Druckmann. And man, is it good. Gameplay complement is very well. It's brutal. It's good. The city is beautiful to explore, but it ha- it feels alive in a weird way. Everything is created to serve the story. And that is why Last of Us Part 2 is my favorite game. Also, quite excited to see what they're going to do with the first part. They just announced they're going to do the first part in the same engine. I'm excited for that. So, hey... Hey, this, this was my top 10 favorite games. Let me know, let me know what you thought. Let me know what your favorite game is on the comments, slide in my DMs, whatever. But before I leave you today, let's talk about what I've been playing. First, WWE 2K22. Uh, I'm a huge wrestling guy. I'm a huge, I've wrestled when I was younger. Um... And wrestling game is just fun. And finally, we're having, for the first time in a couple of years, we're having a really good wrestling game. And I've just been enjoying the fuck out of it. I've really, really been enjoying it. Of, you know, just going around, just playing as random characters, doing the story, the boring stories a bit, but just having fun. And just, it, it feels good to enjoy a wrestling game for the first time in a while. Because uh, the couple last ones were fucking garbage. <laughs> they were bad. Uh, but WWE 2K22 is really a step in the right way. Really good step. Um, then when I'm at work, uh, I have my Switch on me. Because I have the the privilege of working as a receptionist. And I can just play games all day. Which is a fun, fun extra. I've been playing a bit of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, uh, which is a Switch exclusive and a follow-up to those amazing Marvel Alliance game uh, that we got on the PS2 Xbox era. And that was a lot of fun. That game's a lot of fun. It's a it's mostly fan service. Um, I'm not sure the fighting system really works for me right now, the combat system, I mean. But uh, man, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying just playing as different characters and, you know, just smashing shit with Hulk. That's important. We need that in our life. And lastly, I've been playing a bit around with the PS Plus reboot. Um, recently, they released like new tiers uh, for the PS Plus. Uh, before, you only had like two monthly games. Two really good games, usually. Um, really like free with your membership, plus access to internet, plus exclusive discounts and shit like that. Um, but... Uh, recently, they've added a Game Pass-like uh, system to it. We have two extra tier, uh, which is extra and premium. Uh, premium gives you access to like classic game and PS3 streaming games, and uh, <clears throat> extra gives you just access to PS4, PS5 game. Unfortunately, I don't have a PS5 a PS5 yet, 
if you want to send me a free PS5, uh, go to them social medias. Uh, send it to me. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you talk to yourself for fucking 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? PS Plus. Premium. I'm having fun. Uh, I'm The games... I think the game, the quality of games is really good. Unfortunately, I bought most of those games already that I was interested in, so I'm kind of not sure if I'm going to stick with the uh, full thing. Plus the classic game, like the PS1, PS2, PSP game that they've added on there is meh at best. It's not great. Uh, so I'm not sure if I'm going to stick to the premium tier, depending on what classic game they put in. I'm definitely going to stick with the premium one, uh, the extra one, sorry, where you have the PS4, PS5 game. That looks exciting. And that's it. <clears throat> that was what I've been playing. And that was the end. We we, we got to leave each other. We got to break up for a week, you know. Take a break. Go see other people. Go see other games. And we'll come back together and we'll talk. But before that, before I leave you, Social medias, geeky, MKG, everywhere. Go check it out. I'll try to post more content, have fun being a fucking nerd. That's what I do best. And next week's show, we're going to talk about the war between my wallet and the second half of 2022. Because there's a lot of good games coming out and I'm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt my wallet. But it's okay. That's That's the... <clears throat> That's the lovely thing about being a gamer. So until then, I love you. Take care. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.